This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for Sunday, August 28, 2016. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 and 7 through 14. The message is by Father Ron Baird. He who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That seems almost antithetical to everything that we believe in in America, doesn't it? Can you imagine going to apply for a job and they say, well, you know, what, what are your gifts? What are you really good at? And you say, well, you know, I don't know. I'm, I try to do a good job, and, but, you know, you'd have to make up your own mind about whether or not you thought I'd do very well. Do you think they'd hire you? I remember John, when he had to apply for college even, they wanted to know, what special gifts do you bring that only you alone can bring to this college? He hated that question. <laughs> he said, it's like they're asking me to brag on myself, which they were, which is sort of a strange concept. Um, and yet, in spite of the fact that humility is not much in vogue these days, it's still the way of God. St. Augustine puts it this way, when asked what the three greatest aspects of God and, and the spiritual life are, he said, the first is humility. He said, the second is humility. And the third is humility. So that should give you a clue as to what it's like. Jesus repeatedly throughout the Gospels is telling us, those who will be first shall be last, and those who are last shall be first. You know, anyone who would um, follow me must first take up their cross, deny themselves, and take up their cross and follow me. You know, over and over again in the Gospels, we were seeing in Philippians, we have that wonderful hymn about Jesus himself. He said, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be held on to, but rather he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And becoming a servant, he became obedient, even obedient unto death. You know, so even Christ in his life has always, you know, in spite of the fact that he, he was God, still took on this very humble um, demeanor towards everybody. You never see him going to the Pharisees and saying, well, you all think you're so smart, I'm God, you know, so what? You know, instead he, he's always serving. He's always being humble. And yet, in our world, that's not normal. You know, let me ask you a question. What do you do when people criticize you? Hmm? Yeah, defend yourself or use an offense as the best defense, a good offense as the best defense. Yeah, get defensive, get hurt. Some people shut down. Did it ever occur to you that maybe the best thing doing somebody's criticizing you is to stop and think, gee, I wonder if there's anything to that. Then this is the brilliant part about this. If you actually looked at criticism that way, Let's say they're telling you that you do this wrong, you do this wrong, you do this wrong. So you stop and think, well, is that true? And you stop thinking about it and you think, well, I don't think so. It doesn't look to me like it's true. Then even if it were true, what could you do about it? Nothing, because you can't fix what you can't see, can you? And so and if they're wrong, what would you do about it? Nothing. And so criticism in and of itself isn't a bad thing, and yet how much we hate being criticized. We always do that. We avoid it like the plague, because somehow or other it, it demeans us. It means that we are somehow less than. 
And yet what Jesus tells us very clearly here is that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then your best bet is to demean yourself. Consider yourself last. Don't sit at the head of the table, sit at the foot of the table. And if somebody's impressed by what you do, they'll come along and say, hey, you know, you need to come up here with us. And don't worry about it. Now, we'd like to say, well, that won't work in the real world. And I have to say, to some extent, that may be true. I know my father-in-law, who's probably the most humble, one of the most humble people I've ever met anyway, um, he took a job. With, he, there was a company in Columbus here who bought a bankrupt newspaper in Meigs County. And they asked him if he would go run it and, and make it profitable. Now, this was his first big job. So he went down there, and, and believe it or not, he actually made it profitable. It became so profitable, they bought another paper and another paper. And they had a nice printing outfit and all. And, and ultimately, it was so profitable that a big company, national company, wanted to buy it. But all along the way, as things were getting better and the company was becoming profitable, the owner said, you're doing a great job. We need to give you a bonus. We need to give you more money. And he'd say, well, how much, money, how much of a raise are you giving everybody else? They said, well, we can't give everybody that size of a raise. He'd say, well, I can't take more than what they take. That wouldn't be right. That would look bad. And so I told him, I said, you know, if you lived in today's world, you'd die a pauper. Because <laughs> they would really take advantage of that. And he said, well, it was just the right thing to do. And what's interesting about it is that God did take care of him because over time they kept giving him stock in the company. And, and as time went on, he finally, when it was bought out, he was able to retire at 55. He's now 93 and a half. I keep telling him, I said, do you realize you've been retired longer than you worked? <laughs> he denies it, but it's true. But that's humility. Is, you know, putting yourself at the bottom. He didn't think his percentage ratio should be any more than what the janitor got because they were all doing it together. And all too often we tend to think, well, that's great for God, but in the real world you can't do that. If you don't promote yourself, you'll never get anywhere. You know, nobody would, would ever you know, support you or give you a raise or do anything if you don't promote yourself. But here's the question that you have to ask yourself. Who do you want to spend eternity with? The people in the world that you're seeking to please or God? Would you rather spend eternity with your boss or with God? In Rachel's case, and in, in Tally's case, it's with their boss because that's me. But. <laughs> I mean, but think about that. You know, when you die, will you be sad that you didn't do more for the company that you work for than you did? Probably not. And yet, all too often, we live out our lives as though the expectations of the world and the, and the, the you know, platitudes and all the wonderful things that people shower upon us are what make us worthwhile. And all too often, we forget that what makes us worthwhile is our ability and willingness to serve the Lord. And so God tells us very clearly to obey your leaders. Now, what's amazing about that is we would like to think, okay, that means like, you know, if you're a priest, that always means that all the priests think, yeah, that means obey your priest. I keep telling people who are priests that that doesn't really work, so you shouldn't do that. But it's also true with your government leaders. What does Paul tell us to do with people who are put in authority over you? You know, what does he say you should do with Caesar? And do you know what Caesar did to Paul? He cut his head off. And yet Paul went willingly. He didn't worry about it. 
Because he wasn't trying to impress Caesar. He was trying to impress God. Because he knew that even if Caesar cut his head off, God would raise him from the dead. So what difference does it make? And so when people are putting authority over us, be it in you know, government, in our employment, or be it anywhere, one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves is, gee, why would God allow this person to have authority over me? Did he make a mistake? Gee, maybe God blew it. But the minute you say that, if you're smart at all, you'll go, or perhaps my thinking is a little screwed up. Maybe you don't know why God put somebody in authority over you. But nonetheless, they are. And the question is, do you trust God enough to know that if you humbly obey, that he will raise you up? It might not be till the resurrection. It might be before then. There's no way of knowing that. But if you realize that when you serve the leader that you're working with, you are serving God, then it changes the whole perspective on things. Now, the question always comes, well, what if the leader is wrong? That's a good question, isn't it? And my way of thinking about this is that if the leader is wrong, then you have to make up your mind about something. One is, are they immoral enough, or unethical enough, that you can't do that? Or are they heretical enough that they would drive you away from God if you did that? Other than that, what you really have is a difference of opinion. And I can't tell you how often I had to say to people, gee, I wonder why they're the boss and you're not. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? And yet all too often, we end up having everybody thinking that they're the boss and they know better anyway. Now, does that work, is my question. If everybody's fighting against what the boss wants to get done, can you get very much done? No. That's what they say all the time. Is that I'm going to use this this afternoon, too, so if you're coming this afternoon, you'll hear it twice. But, But one of the things that Rick Warren says about a church is a church is a fellowship, which means a bunch of fellows in the same ship. It's a good way to put it. What happens if everybody decides that the 